Hello, my name is Robert Higgins. And I'm Kate Tuxford. And this is episode 33 of Screenwriting from the Trenches, a podcast about the craft and expression of screenwriting in all of its form from the perspective of writers just like you. This week, Kay are talking about our favorite scripts and what we take away from them. But first, as always, what is screenwriting Twitter talking slash fighting about this week? Yes. So, Rob, uh, I think the biggest thing is, especially since I have COVID and I can't go to a movie theater, is everybody's trying not to give away Doctor Strange spoilers. Are they? Because it feels like I had to, like, I was dodging, seriously, like, spoilers, like Neo in the Matrix. I felt like I was doing that all week because the movie came out. And once Friday hits, then it's like Spoiler City. And if you don't yeah. go to like it, you know, by the time that you get to the movie on Friday, the entire movie is out on the internet and it's spoiled. And if you're if you've been, you know, consuming like casually consuming news about the movie, then those casual consume places have now become a spoil like a you know like a ground for spoilers. And you're just trying to just dodge all the spoilers, all the spoilers all the time, and it's just it's it's exhausting. So. So uh, did you just not participate in the internet all week or how did you? I tried to, I was trying that I was trying to stay away from different, like all of my regular sites um, and, and such, because they, they do weird stuff where like, you know, even going on, I was looking at an article that had nothing to do with the movie I was trying to avoid spoilers for. And they just threw a spoiler for one movie in an article about another movie. And it was just like, it's just like this, what happens when I was like, oh my God, you just like, the movie just came out. Stop it. Stop. Stop spoiling. Stop snitching and stop spoiling. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Like I, uh, anyway, the other thing that was about Doctor Strange this week is not only spoilers were a thing, but also the, a lot of people were talking about the dialogue in the movie. Like there were early reviews were saying that the dialogue was cheesy. I've seen the movie and I'm like, okay. Um, but the more and more I really feel like critics are, I, like Viola Davis, uh, there was this famous clip about Viola Davis saying that critics are irrelevant. And I agree with her. Like, we don't need them. And the more I saw the sort of critiques for, for this movie, um, they were like, they, people were like, it's, um, it's unnecessarily uh, stylish. And I was like, okay, what? 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 I, I mean, we're talking about Doctor Strange who can like, like wizard up like quantum physics changes in the, the universe, right? Like, I mean, like it should be stylish. If not, it's really boring. Right? Well, I like, was like, here two options. Yeah, he's, I mean, I know, I think they were talking more towards about Sam Raimi's style. See, does okay. Sam Raimi has these really inventive transitions, and but if you've watched the Sam Raimi movie, you'd know that's a thing already. That's number one. Number two, who cares if they're imaginative, like transitions? What yeah, a weird complaint! Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's <laughs> so odd. You're like, this movie is unnecessarily stylish. Oh, my eyes, oh. too dazzled. My. Um, 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh wow. Okay. I, I mean, to be fair, what a wonderful <laughs> complaint to get. Like, I, I would. I hope one day someone complains right. about my movie and they're Somebody's like, "Somebody's like, can you touch me? Your movie looks just too damn good. It's too good. It's too stylish. Your story is just. It's too compelling. How yeah, dare you? How dare you? How yeah. dare you? You know, I'll be, like, I'll be like, oh, I accept your criticism. Yeah, yeah I'll be like, yeah, you're right. I I definitely made this movie. I'm I'm so sorry about that. I uh... might be. I'll work on it next time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sorry. The other thing that Twitter thing was fighting about, and this one really <laughs> set uh, people on fire, was white space. I know white it had to be white. I wondered when they were coming for the white space. They were uh, coming for it, and they came this week. Uh, and, and man, uh, they had a tweet that was done by C.C. Webster. Yeah, C.C. Yeah. Uh, Webster. Also, her Twitter handle is at two C's twenty three. Um, yeah, uh, it was from Screen Crafting. She says, "Love is from Screen Crafting. Economy on the page is everything." And it was a picture of uh, something that they did using white space and screenplays. And there were two different examples. It was like one interior prison cell block night. The dark hallway made entirely of stone stretches into a black void. The dripping of water is heard as condensation between, no, it escapes from in, in between the stones and into muddy puddles on the wet floor. The only light source comes from the cell block windows, the beams of moon sneaking in between the rusty bars they keep prisoners from their dreams of freedom versus interior prison cell block night, dark, wet, shadows overcome any source of light. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so it was interesting because her post didn't really say one was bad or one was good. Just look at these two different styles. Uh, yeah. But there was there was umbrage umbrage that there was umbrage and it was an umbrage brouhaha. Uh, yeah, there, so was, there was there was umbrage that number one was bad and number two was good uh, because one uh, the, the second one had way more white space and was more economical um, and people people took their umbrage and they 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 interpreted it as they're overwriting their their shit. Um, I was, well, one thing that I really thought was funny were like there were all these people who were like naysaying folks who were just like this isn't this is just an example of two different styles of writing they're neither one is bad and you know then some people were like no it, but it is bad though and then other people would be like oh it is well is this bad and they would try to do their own versions like it descended into these people like trying to do their own versions of this hypothetical scene at a prison and it was just like uh, okay guys guys i i mean i i, I weighed in on like neither is terrible um yeah neither is terrible the first one is a little long because it's two it is, paragraphs um, yeah it's, it's a little long and i'm like i i feel like and I feel this way about a lot of locations where we kind of already know what that looks like mm -hmm. is you don't really have to tell me a lot about what a prison cells looks like for me to get the feel and the ambiance because I've, we've been there in so right. many movies, you know, if it was a new exotic sci-fi location or planet, like take your time. Um, but like, especially talking about how the bars keep people's dreams in, I'm like, yeah, prisons have bars. Like, I know mm -hmm. that, like, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not shocked. You know, it's not like you're describing the Chateau d'If to me for the first time in Monte Cristo or something. Like, I get it. I get it. Okay. Um, I, I like to do like, um, like comparisons. So, like, weird comparisons to sort of 
um, get people like, you know, think like I, this week, the one I did this week was really like, uh, I was really proud of. And I was like, tiny office day. The office is small, but nicely furnished. Like if someone decided to host Masterpiece Theater in a closet, like. That's cute. I get yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I felt like I, when I originally put my post up there, I was very much like, oh, I tend to write more like the staccato of the second one. Mm-hmm. I would say I do a lot of writing downward on the. Yeah, page. you have a very utilitarian style. So <laughs> for it. And I'm just like, not, mm. not always. In fact, not I'm always, like, but some I, of your stuff. I'm like, I was re- I was reading your new draft of, of, of uh, delivery. And man, you have some of those things you've just cut like to like to the thing. I'm like, damn, she is. You can't accuse Kay Tuxford of playing on this page. She's, she's not no fucking fat. around. There's, There's no, no fat, fat in this script. My uh, lord. Yeah, but I wanted to, I wanted to read you <laughs> a first, one of my first pages, I think. It doesn't even have to, like a little part of a first page. Uh, back in the day, I used to write more historical and I was a little bit more uh, flexible. Uh, and so I like, I am capable of it. I want, I want to like prove myself for a second and say like, it was very, uh, poetic i was like exterior field near berlin day press and onlookers huddle from the cold and whisper to one another in german a glider leaps up from behind them uh, behind a dirt hill like a whale from the ocean sprang earth on the stunned onlookers below the people watch agape or with a few shouts of joy as the pilot otto lilienthal soars in what looks like a da vinci design all white canvas and dragonfly like wings which pull taut against the wind <clears throat> so like see i it was it was very poetic yeah but this uh, but i i don't know it's a little blue but i'm not like or you know a little purple but i'm like i'm not <laughs> um, yeah but i'm not really like i'm not mad at it you know what i mean like if i read that i'd be like oh that's interesting like it's not boring you know what i mean <laughs> no like, I, so i was gonna say like i'm not anti uh language on there but i think i think sometimes people spend a little bit too much time in their narrative describing something that isn't particularly interesting or relevant or something or relevant. That's not be, yeah i'm st- i'm still as you're describing what's what's there in the scene like you're uh, you taking our, our our eyes to a different place like you lead us over to the reporters like you like you're giving us a sound like what we're hearing what we're seeing and then you lead from there all the way up to the zeppelin like you like you're leading us on a journey so yeah. if you're doing that, like you're describing the scene, I know where my eyes are supposed to go. Anyone yeah. who's reading that as a director or, you know, or some or a production designer or something like that, they know what they're supposed to see and therefore what they what needs to go into the scene. Like, right, right, right. If you were doing that, then that's fine. Like, and that's what the 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 one person cell is still doing. Um, it's still getting your eyes on a journey. But what you know is you can still do. Uh, the 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 other example, the shorter staccato example, isn't bad. It just, you know, it it does the exact same thing. It's just done with less words. So if you're even if your prose is a little purple, and I do mean a little purple, um, you can still pick, take people on a journey. As long as you're doing that, you're still doing pretty good. As long yeah. as you're taking people on a journey and you're not boring. So those are the only two things that you need to do in terms of your action lines. But the minute you start being boring. Or you start being, people start going, where am I supposed to be looking in the scene? That's where you're running into problems. Um, And, you know, it's just, that's, I feel like that's the rule. Don't be boring. Take them on a journey. 
That's true. Well, I think, I think don't be boring is it, that's too easy of a catch all because people, some people are like, ah, oh, prison cell, how exciting. And where you and I have read like a million scripts and we've been like, yeah, I've been there. Also, yeah. if it's, if it like, if the prison is a major scene, like we're like watching Shawshank Redemption and we need that special intro, right. um, <clears throat> then that prison, that first one is probably better. If it's like, oh, he's in a prison and about to get out and then like go run amok in LA, like, prison the prison cell doesn't matter yeah then it, yeah you really doesn't you know yeah, whatever. Like, like get in quick because we just need to see somebody got out of prison the uh, the other sort of fight in twitter land this week was also uh was one that you brought to my attention and it seems to be blowing up as sort of we speak uh, yeah it was late in the week um and i think it kind of snuck by because um everyone is a little still distracted by the white space umbridge. <laughs> The Samantha Horley, uh, uh, at Samantha Horley, H-O-R-L-E-Y, um, she starts off with, so I promised some cold hard truths to writers about submitting scripts to execs. Buckle up, this is going to be bumpy. The first thing is to say that they assume it's going to be shit. Sad, isn't it? The fact yeah. is that most scripts are, even the packaged ones. Um, yes, I'm going to agree this I'm thread put a smile on my face. <laughs> <laughs> I and I think after, we all know why. Because, uh, yeah, there was a wonderful uh, uh, response to the tweet as well that I was like, did Rob write this? Uh, yeah. It was not you. <laughs> um, but let's let's hear why the smile was on your face today. Well, because it was basically saying that, you know, that these people are so burnt out from actually making things or trying to make things that you know they they assume that your movie is going to be shit they find a reason not to excuses not to read your uh your script and anything above a hundred pages scares them like bunny rabbits um yeah. and this is why the industry is a dumpster fire and makes bad movies and why bad scripts get through because bad scripts do get through because we've seen bad movies um so yes. Yes, well, well, I, I want to, I want to jump into her defense there as somebody who read at a desk for for some time. Go ahead. Um, when you do see something over a hundred pages, usually you don't trust the person that is going to be worthwhile. <laughs> some of my favorite, some of my favorite scripts, which we're going to talk about later, are 160 pages. Like that's mm -hmm. fine. They were wonderful reads, you know. Um, but especially if it's some new writer from the slush bin that you like is not established. Um, given you this honking script and you open it up and the first page is kind of blah, you know, you're going to have 120 more of those blah pages. To go. And like, it is a slog and you can always kind of tell. Um, I think you can literally tell from the first page. Like, oh, yeah. If somebody is not coming off the page in like the, like the first, very rarely do, do, does it, does the script ramp up very rarely that like, have I've gotten into it where I'm just like, okay, I'm, this is not hitting me, but I'll give it, you know, whatever. And by the time you get to page 20, you're like, all right, it started off a little slow, but I'm, I'm here now. I'm in, I'm into it. But it's if that, it very yeah, rarely does that happen. Yeah. I was going to say, I think oftentimes you can tell. And additionally, I think maybe this is just me and my personality, but like you can really read very easily, not just the words on the page, but the psyche of the writer who's writing them. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and it's very quickly easy for me to see in like the first one to five pages what this person thinks is important. 
you know, I've had, for example, a script where I think it was like page one or two, they did this slow-mo girl getting out of water, walk down a hallway. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, and like, like every asset of hers was discussed and, you know, stylized and whatnot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I was like, okay, like I get it. That's, that's what you think is like the draw of this. Yeah. Kind of, you've kind of told the women on the page. Yeah. Ooh. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, but like, this is your first five pages. Like I was kind of <laughs> hoping you'd give me some story. Um, and, and I think that's the thing is like, oftentimes they're, they, you can kind of tell what they think you want. Um, right. and you realize like where that person and the writer is coming from. And a lot of times it's really shallow or not very well thought out. Um, and I think that's the thing is I think sometimes when you're, when a reader is given something and you're treated like, oh, there's a reader, they just need a hot girl or a hot guy, or they need this or that, and that'll make them happy. Uh, usually they just underestimate the audience and the reader and what they want. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and this, nothing like being treated like a dum-dum. And it, this is what Samantha Horley was talking about, where like these scripts like came from, you know, they come certainly like a lot of these scripts that she's getting are ripped or something like that. And, you know, and they just go through and, you know, and you're just wondering where this stuff is coming from. But they're, they're bad. They're bad. And then yeah, people make yeah. bad movies because, you know, of deals and relationships. And I was just like, ugh. And so they don't, there's no reason to assume that just because someone is repped, that they're better than you. No, um, and that, I think that was one of the, th one thing I can really encourage is folks who end up like interning or working as script readers, like try to read for a production company, um, you know, if you can, because you'll actually get scripts with the CEA red cover on it or UTA or whatever. And you'll realize mm -hmm. like um, these people aren't, I mean, some of them are very professional scripts, but these people have gaps and things they're missing in their mm -hmm. storytelling abilities, just like the rest of us. They're not perfect in any stretch of the imagination. And if you've if you've seen any of these things that like squeak through that like become these like one to three million dollar or one to like or you know up to about five million dollar like director red box kind of like action movies, mm -hmm. like you those people still got paid those yeah. are those scripts were produced they're bad they're bad yeah they're and 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 you also have to understand that the, the, they know like who they're making them for like, mm -hmm. like a lot of times what i think uh a lot of a lot of folks feel like why do these movies get made it's like oh well it's an action movie with like a b or c list actor that has some name recognition overseas action sells it doesn't even matter how good it is because they know they can sell it to all of you know Europe or all of Asia or all yeah. Of, and the yeah. fact of the matter is, is that it was professionally written. It was kept to a certain budget, and they had a relationship with somebody. And that, and they're gonna they're gonna get their money back on that. Yeah. These, these that's the thing is like even though it's a bad movie, it's a good business choice because they're usually not duds when, yep. when they make their sales. And so people often ask me like, why are bad movies made all the time? It's like well they had enough of all the things they needed to come together to make it work, to make it work. Also, you know, I think we've mentioned it before. Nobody really starts out making a bad movie. They want it to be the best it can possibly be. And I'm sure even when somebody's writing these scripts, they go, well, maybe other things will work or maybe we'll find it better uh, while shooting it. Or maybe the actor's really going to get this and they don't get it. And it's Well, I mean, a lot of people yeah. are just looking to climb the ladder because yeah. if, when those movies make the, their money back, 
then the director is looked upon favorably, the screenwriters looked upon favorably, like they did a thing, the thing made money. And so then they were like, oh, so-and-so's movie did this business the last time. And so that person then gets offered to, to, to write a bigger movie or to direct a bigger movie and so on and so forth. And they keep trying to, you know, to sort of ride the, the chain up the ladder. And some people can actually fail up the ladder. Like they can make, yeah. if they're charismatic enough where they're just like, you know, oh, well, you know, the movie didn't make money, but so-and-so is just so lovely to work with, you know, blah, 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 blah. They took all my notes and did all the things. And they might work with a producer three or four times and just have the luck for that those movies to go into production. And you might get three or four moves before somebody's like, this person stinks. Yeah. Um, yeah, or sometimes perspective-wise, they realize it's not really on the director. They're like, oh, they did the best they could. It looked really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think, I think her point there, and I felt this way when I was reading scripts, uh, for contests and for um, production companies is there weren't really many good scripts. And when you did find them, you felt euphoric and you felt very like, <laughs> you felt happy. Like you wanted yeah. to find a good script. And every time I found somebody who was like promising, even if they had a, like a, you know, a flaw here or there, like you, you want to help them like get up the ladder and do the next thing and get their script out there because um, it is really refreshing. And I think a lot of, reason why a lot of scripts weren't very good is because uh, they were only okay. You know, they had an okay idea or they didn't fully develop something or they got a little lazy or they didn't have the skill set to really execute what they wanted to do on the page yet. And so you're looking at something and you're like, well, you know, if you did a bunch of changes here, 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 you know, maybe you got something uh, but right now it's not producible. And so you rarely encountered something that felt like, no, 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 I feel ready to go. Right. It's very rare, I think, that I get scripts from like other people where like, I'm like, Ugh. like, I'm not dreading it. You know what I mean? Because it's just like, and I will, I as many people as like are sort of in like the thing, like there are folks just not following, not necessarily not following the rules, but just sort of like acting as if, there aren't rules or like, it's not like they're trying to break the rules. They just don't seem to know that the rules exist. Like they, like you haven't read enough scripts or you haven't like, what, I don't understand what it is that you're writing here. Like, and, and uh, whoa, I, think, I don't I think, know. I think um, for me, I'm going to, let's not, let's not lash out at other people. Because no. Even I, but let's, we've had our own journeys in this as well, where we've come to the realizations that like, <clears throat> uh, like I think when I got out of film school I felt like pretty hot shit um, because I got out of film school which meant I was so smart and so good at everything I did uh, and then I read some more professional screenplays that were out there and that were like on the blacklist and I realized that like I saw a lot to fucking learn because yeah. when you watch I think the problem is you watch the worst movies and things that are coming out and you go oh I can do that that's easy but if you see the cream of the crop and like the best writing coming out you realize you've got a lot more to learn and I think when you're early on you're always like oh I can pass the bar of not shit uh, but that's not where the bar is. And yeah. so for, for me, that was my really big wake up call. Like if you want to get recognized as a writer and emerge from the pile, you can't right. just be okay. Um, yeah, you got to be pretty great. You got to be pretty good. Um, and yeah, I've but, written some screenplays that were good, but not great. And I yeah. think that's that's the things where it's like, 
you know, when you get a great idea or a great script or something like that, you know, there you can sort of tell the way people are sort of euphoric about it. And the other thing was, is I was like, I need to come off the page at the beginning, right at the first line. I'm coming right off these pages. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to be like, you know, I don't want anybody to be like, get to like the third paragraph and be like, what is this? Yeah. Like, yeah. Open in on something interesting. Yes, please. Like come in, like set a scene, like do something like it, like show us the, I uh, want show people the movie. Yeah. Let people watch the movie. Don't let so, people wake up and check their alarm clock and brush their teeth. Please yeah. like never do that no, again. Everybody. Just, uh, Unless, I, maybe, well, the, you know, there's a ways to do it, but if you're oh, going to yes. do it, do what it have well. You, Feel free, feel the challenge, turn it on its head. But if you yeah. don't feel the challenge, but it's just, you know, there's yeah. there's ways to do it. Even with screenplays that I know is just like the first reader is going to be my wife. I'm like, I'll try to piss her off on the first page. I'm like going for it. <laughs> we were like, we were driving this weekend and she was like looking down and she was just like, really? Really? And I was like, <laughs> I'm like, mission accomplished. But but, but let's let Rob, Rob is fueled by anger. Uh, Anger so, and spite and, you know, spite. And, <laughs> in, in spite of being in a very loving marriage. Like, yeah, just like, no, I piss just, them off. That's, you know, you know, I just I try to do it like I'm I'm trying to go for I want to offend people on the first page or like get like I want people to know, like I'll start like, you know, like out there. I'm just immediately trying to kick people in the balls. What's, what's OK? So what's the most like out there first page you've done? Let's give the people a concrete example. Uh, okay i'm gonna okay and this is this is gonna be really incendiary and i'm i'm sorry for anybody who doesn't want to okay but the first line of uh a script i wrote was fuck me with that nigger dick um <laughs> that's the first line of the script like right i think right. i've read the, i've read that one yeah um, you read that one and yeah right from uh, the first page holy shit um just yes yeah. yes uh I mean, that was about porn and also being a black man in porn. So yeah. I think, and the, the racism in there. So I yeah, think it was it appropriate. It was appropriate. It was but, appropriate yeah. but, but like, I know I was like, I would, people were like, a lot of people were just like thrown off. I think I busted out the C word uh, on by page three one time, maybe page two. And my yeah. mom closed the, the script and she's like, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it was just, you know, but like that script also got optioned. So, yeah, I was going to say, at least yeah. people know what it is. Uh, yeah, I, I was going to say one of my one of my lo- most loved script samples for TV is a person opens on a person killing herself over TikTok. Yeah, I really like that script. Uh, your, yeah. other, your other script, uh, Edith. Uh, Edie Green, yeah. Edith, yeah, Saves the World. That had a great first page. That had an amazing first page. Uh, we blow up a planet. Yeah. yeah, the first page is a planet. It's very planet. Douglas Adams, and I'm like, this is my yeah. shit right here. And it's not saves the world, it destroys <laughs> the planet. <laughs> yeah. Like she's not a she's not a good person. Um, no, but, it was like it was super cool. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I'm here for this. I'm yeah, for that's this the one that has the, the C word on the second page. She's yeah. like, whatever makes you cunts feel better. My mom was like, I don't feel good, and just shut it down. And also, like the second third scene is like. Her walking in when she was a kid to her dad sodomizing like a Christmas reindeer <laughs> and like and then like people were like okay we know what this script is and like they but to be fair that thing uh semi-finals in the nickel and like it is evergreen just yeah like, it's like because when you like, see we know it's what like this somebody's is. like yeah. coming off the page like it like it like comes mm-hmm. off the page you know people are like you know and somebody anyone listening to this 
you know, it'd be like, so I have to be offensive in the on the I'm like, no, mm-hmm. but you have to come off that page. You have to do something to rise above the chaff because yeah. there's a lot of it out there. Think yeah, about yeah. all the screenwriters that you know just by a screenwriting Twitter. They're all writing scripts. All of them. They're writing scripts. And you're reading scripts. You we've all read bad scripts. We've all read bad scripts from friends. We've all seen bad movies. We know that bad scripts get made. So let's not pretend that there's some sort of you know, magical thing where it says all scripts have to be good because that's a fucking lie. So yeah. let's, let's, if you're going to do it, if you're going to be in this business, let's not sugarcoat it. You still have to be good. Like even with all the other things, if you want to play the game, if you want to live in Hollywood land or work at Hollywood level, like it's not, it's it, being a, a professional screenwriter is very much akin to being a professional player in the nfl or any sort of like sort of uh nfl nhl the nba like you got to be the type of person like you know you can say what you want about professional baseball players or whatever like that you know but i guarantee you you put them on any team like you know they'll strike out like (laughs) i'll hit any pickup game you know that's coming down the pike those dudes don't play they're professionals yeah professionals they're like Mustangs. They're, yeah. they're like serious, serious contenders there. Yeah. Um, so yeah. let's, this is a great uh, segue yeah. to our, 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 uh, our topic. screenwriting topic, which is uh, what are our favorite screenplays um, and what do we take away from them? And I thought what we do this week is that we do a top five scripts. Uh, you know, you'll do, you have your top five and I'll have my top five. And I've seen from the from the list, uh, you, your are number three and my number three are the same, but all of our other screenplays are different. Let's let's get into it. Uh, your top five script is uh, your number five script on the on your list. Oh yeah, so I, was, I, I this was probably the one that I read when I got out of film school and I realized I was not hot shit. Uh, <laughs> it was one of the most humbling scripts I ever read. It was Sam Esmail's uh, blacklist script called Sequels, Remakes, and Adaptations. He ended up after this uh, going and doing Mr. Robot, but this was like his bucket script. Mm-hmm. Uh, that got passed around town um, and it is um, masterful in format it uses a lot of voiceover it's amazing and I, I can't really describe it more than that other than like here's somebody who uh, tried to turn his life around and realizes like he's actually kind of better off uh, as the guy who died at 18 uh, like uh, <laughs> uh, and then it ends on this really sweet surprise ending all about uh, losing his parents and and taking care of his disabled sister like it, it like goes everywhere. Yeah, Esmail think- is one of my favorite screenwriters. I've read uh, a lot of scripts for Mr. Robot of so, yeah. so the internet for that, and Mr. Robot is one of my favorite television shows of all time. It and just- you know, I think I think I was going to say if if you guys get a copy of the script or his scripts, what's kind of nice is he's not a terribly flowery writer Mm-mm. um and like i'm i'm pulling up i want to like back up what i'm saying here but the reason like sequels uh, remakes and adaptation is so good so the afterlife takes place at a dmv uh where he keeps getting sent to and his his like handler is millard fillmore the 13th president of the united states so dmv waiting side inside it's a rundown municipal dmv offices hundreds of seats line up the cheap floor with tickers hanging on the walls 
you know, it's it's a very simple description of what's going on before we move to the action. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think people oftentimes think like a great script has to be really flowery or something. But because this like this person's dead and they're now with this like standard D uh, DMV office, like it's a really invoking visual uh, without having to really sell us too much on it. So like mm-hmm. I wanted to throw that in there. Like it's it's not a flowery read, but it's a really compelling read. Um, so that's my number five. What's your number five? My number five is the <laughs> first screenplay I ever read, which was The Matrix. Um, oh, yeah, you yeah. read it. You Okay, you've told me this story. I want to yeah. see if I can tell the story right. Uh, you have the special um, edition that had like extra features on the DVD, and one yeah. of them was the screenplay. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Yeah, and I had to read it on my dad's laptop because uh, we didn't actually have a DVD player. And uh, yeah, and I read that script and I, that the format of it, like it was the first time I ever read the screenplay format and just like the Wachowski brothers are so excited on the page. Like they're yeah. so excited to talk about their Kung Fu action and the way they talk about bullet time, they're rapturous about it. And yeah. I just, for me, like the sort of excitement of like the world of falling in love with a world um, and the world building of it and the way that they describe the things and stuff like that, like the way that the script just moves, like it is a screenplay, it really just moves. And that's sort of what I took away from it, where I was like, someone has like bastardized the novel format into this thing. There's like an actual format. I'll never, you know, you never forget your first one. And that for me was like a, a very eye-opening experience. That was a really good first one. The only one I could check out from my library was Crash and not the Paul Haggis Crash. Ooh. <laughs> And so it only went up from there. Luckily, there was uh, there was like Jesus Christ, the David Cronenberg crash. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Number four. Number four is for you. Like uh, I'm surprised none of his works made it to my list. His his one of his scripts would make my honorable mentions, but let's go with yours. Uh yeah. So I really enjoyed the read of Inglorious Bastards by Tarantino. I think yep. the reason why it made my top read is it's a good read overall. It's a good Tarantino script if you mm-hmm. like that sort of thing. Um, and I think I think one of the things is Tarantino is one of those types of writers who's a little bit of a theater nerd. He spends his time, he'll write a draft, then I'll get on this phone and read to his friends the draft and edit it. No, so it like like there's some cadence and rhythm into his writing. Yeah, um, there because is. There he's really very is. he's very audioly focused on it. And um and so it makes for a good read. And I think the reason I enjoyed Inglorious Bastards is essentially the first 20 pages. Uh is so amazing in this script and the read is amazing because it basically takes place in the farmhouse um and it's it's um everything else is we're running in Paris and this excitement is happening but he you know when people often say like oh you know one scene has to be less than two pages um it's a really good sample of no no scene can be as long as it is interesting oh yeah the opening scene with Christopher uh, Waltz is, is, is fucking flawless. Um, and I think it's really, again, if something's really taut and especially like thriller-esque or something like that, where like the geography of the stakes and the people are so palpable, you can really, really, really um, utilize it. And I think it's a really good lesson for the micro-budget folk and the people who are on a lower budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, because although the movie Inglorious Bastards is not a lower budget. <laughs> no. 
Um, that scene is a perfect example of, you know, what I love, which is a lot of minimalism, which is like, you can make things really stressful and you don't have to spend uh, millions of dollars. You can make something really compelling like that. And, and so I just, I think that alone, put it on my list is like a reminder. Uh, Cause I think sometimes, especially when we're, we're writing, you know, we have this instinct to try to keep adding things to make it fancier and more stylistic. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think this is a good example of you can take away more and make it just so, so primal. I, I My number four is Juno by Diablo Cody. Okay. okay. Uh, like for me, that was, I actually got the script. It was like one of those combos that you get when you buy the DVD and they give you the script. Um, I, I don't know why they started doing this for a little while. They did the exact same thing with Inception, and I also have that script that way. Um, but I bought the script to this, and I read it, and then I sort of consumed everything that Cody uh, wrote. Like, she also has a book called um, Candy Girl, uh, the, A Year in the Life of an Unlikely Stripper, and it's, it's yeah. absolutely hysterical. Um, but Cody's writing is, her personality comes through in her writing, and it also has this very stylized dialogue without necessarily sounding stylized or looking stylized, but it is very much cadence based. I felt like it was one of the few movies where it was like the movie is on the page. Like yeah. if you read this thing, like this is, it's a perfect example of a screenplay where you just open it up and like, this is the movie. Like I'm watching yeah. the movie on the page. I think I'd take a lot of like her sort of humor cues where it's just like, I also want to make people laugh in the, in the action lines. Well, so, especially, for, it's especially for something like that, where you want to kind of keep the pace mm-hmm. and keep the fast paced dialogue and keep us like amused. So we, we stay in the moment in the scene. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, she's, that, that <clears> script <throat> is great. Um, so number three, this is where we coalesce. This is where the, the Venn diagrams coalesce, I'm, that little yeah. this space right here. The Social Network by Aaron Sorkin. Kay, I'm so glad we're coming to the table on this. We are, we are in sync right I, here. It is a fantastic read. Masterclass. It Masterclass. is 160 plus pages. Um, so for everybody who sits there going, uh, I can write as, you know, we, we shouldn't worry about page count. Like when you are doing Aaron Sorkin level social network, you can write as long as you fucking want. Right. Uh, I will read it happily. <laughs> I love it because the dialogue, I, I really feel like, you know, and I'm not gonna personally say this, I feel like, you know, Sorkin is, is Sorkin is w- to uh, screenwriting what Shakespeare is to theater. Um, and I, I'm just gonna say that, like, you know, it is what it is. Like there's, he, yeah, his work right. is singular, it is, absolutely singular and it just you know there anyway but it, it it's and I think I think what it is also and I think I think what's good about I, and I'm not a fan of every single Sorkin project but I think no. social network is the is the is the, the best of 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 uh the movie movie st- uh film film stuff he has is um he really understands what it takes to make a scene mm-hmm. and, and also like when a scene begins and ends, like he's very assured that he has everything he needs in his scene and he's confident when he leaves it. Also um, it's razor sharp with, as it comes so through, like what, you know, like is these sort of, as it's moving between court cases, like that balance of like yeah. going back and forth, you could easily get lost and you never get lost. 
It just right. ratchets back and forth. And then the tension moves up and down and up and down. And like, I, I also feel this way about Steve Jobs. Um, it's just that the characters aren't as well rounded in, in Steve Jobs. Yeah. Or like the, Steve himself is very well rounded. Um, but like the second act of Steve Jobs, I think is one of the most amazing scenes or like sections of a movie I think that's ever been put committed to film it just is it just is and 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 I will die on that hill but like this <laughs> movie is like that second act through the entire movie the yes. whole thing is that and it is amazing from start to finish and it's just like if you if you watched as many videos there, look like Google the first ten minutes of the Social Network. You will find video after video breaking down the first ten minutes of this movie, and it, it's yeah, it's it's. And I think I think um, when we're talking about opening hooks, Woo! this is this is a really good example. Like you know, a lot of times when people hear opening hooks, they think oh, it's got to be like an action. There's got to be like a serial killer mm-hmm. and a body drop. This one has one of the most compelling opening hooks I've ever seen, which is basically. Zuckerberg's character obsessing over the fact that he doesn't stand out uh, because his his uh, SAT score isn't high enough or and or that enough people in Harvard have the same SAT score with him that like he's not special enough as his girlfriend at the time dumps it. That's it. That's the right. But what it does is like not only is it like brilliantly like not only is the dialogue brilliant, but it gives you the main character, the inciting incident. And the shard, like the the like all yeah. in the entire fucking opening scene, all of it is there organically, like and just and delivered at this blistering pace. Yeah, it's and so it, amazing. Oh, and it, it shows what the character is obsessed with, which is mm-hmm. this perfection and being better than everybody. But her breaking up with him is the shard, as mm-hmm. you're talking about, which is, you know, he wants to be special, but he also wants connection, and mm-hmm. um, those two things don't go hand in hand so easily and that's the conflict of the story and uh that's why he ends up in all these lawsuits and fucking everybody over and also being fucking alone you know and so like that already he knew in this opening first scene this conversation is enough to set the stage for the entire movie mm-hmm. it's enough to fuel 160 pages yeah. and so um it's definitely worth opening and also i know everybody loves the beginning but it has an amazing amazing rolling midpoint um in the story where and i love talking about rolling plot points especially like a rolling midpoint or inciting incident because oftentimes when we look at like our save the cat we're like bam that's it that's the inciting incident right you're like actually oftentimes it's like that it's like a a butterfly effect sometimes and those are sometimes the more exciting ones where you know this one is facebook is essentially um hot to trot they're celebrating girls are like making know them at the club and are making out with them right. and yeah he runs into his ex and he's like trying to say like i'm this big guy and i have this app now and she's like yeah good luck with it whatever good luck she, with your video game <laughs> with your video game she doesn't even understand what it is and um what does he do he instantly overnight launches facebook on like every university campus possible including hers including hers right in, important he's like and his friends are like why that one there's just like like he's like (laughs) yeah small college and he's like no that one and sure enough it makes it all the way to palo alto over at uh stanford i think and uh we get 
Sean Parker waking up next to a, a, a college student there signing onto Facebook and he sees it for the first time and he's like, oh my fucking God, I got to right. be a part of this. And that's really where the midpoint starts is Sean Parker shows up and he's like, I am part of Facebook now. Let's go through uh, the second half of act two. And right. like, it took one girl who broke up with him to say good luck about your video game. So good. We could ra- we could rhapsodize the, like about this the entire yes. time. It's, it it's, is, but it is a really, it's really, really good, good read. And yeah. I highly recommend it for both. Um, even if you're Aaron Sorkin is not, not like your dude. Yeah, even really- if you're Aaron Sorkin agnostic. So yeah, no, okay. Uh, number two, which is this one I haven't read. Uh, White okay. Tiger. Yeah, by- so White White Tiger was up for a best adapted screenplay maybe like two years ago. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not it's not that mysterious. Um, uh, yeah, this is a story that came, I think it was be- best adapted. It, it was um, a story about an Indian um, guy in Hyderabad, I believe, or Bangalore, um, who is basically talking about how the caste system of India uh, and he is basically narrating to a letter he's writing to a Chinese premier about being an entrepreneur. And it's all framed with that. Um, but it's talking about how he grew up uh, as one of the poorest uh, castes in India and his basically rise into capitalism and crime. Um, and it's it's really great. Uh, it's based on a book. So this is definitely something for, for like, if you want to read something that's adaptation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all. It's always good to read something that's been ad- adapted and see what was taken and what was not. Yeah, because uh, yeah, because sometimes sometimes it seems like when you do an adaptation, you're like, oh, I'll just copy the text in there and change it to present tense, and it's good, and it's not going to happen. Good times. Uh, my number two is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. That because- was my honorable mention. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, for me, like, if you're going to talk about, like, I think about world building people always think about game of thrones um you know or some sort of fantasy world or or, or a marvel movie or something like that people talk about world building. like world building and a dragon flies yeah by. dragons and yeah it just sort of automatically conjures that sort of kind of thing but charlie kaufman builds an entire world here where you can have like a dinky um place that uh erases people's memories that feels more like a dentist's office. Um, yeah. And that has to exist in a certain kind of world. And what kind of characters exist in this kind of world? And I, I, and this is a movie, a great example of like, read the screenplay to see what got cut off. Oh my yeah. God. There's yeah. so much that got cut out of this. The entire script. ending, yes. The entire the ending of with like Mary trying to, there's like, you know, the the, the whole thing being like a, a, a report that she did yeah. of like from like old Mary, like, you know. Of, Looking back and realizing like what they did was not a good thing. Yeah, yeah like, holy shit. And and also um, the hint, hint that like Joel and uh, Clementine have maybe done this like a hundred times. Yeah, they've done it a bunch of times. They're still doing it, even as old people. Like, yeah. They, they um, don't stop. They just keep erasing and yeah. re-meeting and erasing and keep meeting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's really great. Darker. It's, it's a little bit darker. But it's I, a little I like darker. It. Yeah. But I like, you know, this, it's a whole, it's, it's very much a world building thing. Not to mention like, you know, the, like the, the scenes, another uh, like sort of thing where you have, like, we could get really confused with all the world well, hopping in and out of memories inside of brains, like the, the nature of the schizophrenic 
frankly schizophrenic nature of the script and the and the characters in the movie it is very it could be very easily confused and it's very clear writing um and just the way that the transitions are written in and the way that everything moves and breathes and it's oh I, I really feel like this is a master class of screenwriting thing if you want to be weird if you want to know how to be weird on the page yeah read a charlie kaufman script but there yeah. are literally four versions of clementine in the movie um mm -hmm. and this is a, an example of like how each character is written how each character is, feels on the page this is what i mean by world building there are four yeah. versions of this woman on the page and she plays them all not to mention the fact that when you one of the versions the sort of bane timeline version of clementine is one of the most toxic people ever committed to the page yeah like you could see why like they, the editing is real like what they cut out in order to make her sort of like a bit like a bit like relatable to audiences you can see why like like uh kate winslet wanted to play her because they don't write characters like that they do not yeah, write yeah. lady uh characters like this with the exception of like maybe like charlie Theron and young adult um, <laughs> like you know what i mean it's oh it's anyway it's it's brilliant so yeah. eternal sunshine of the spotless mind but that takes us to our number one scripts uh, I'm going to let you introduce yours. So go ahead, Kate. Oh, this is, I have to go first. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'm going to put down, I put down Little Miss Sunshine by my Okay. Um, I think there's something to be said about Ernst's writing where he, like this screenplay and like his other well-known screenplay, like got him an Oscar each time. Um, so I don't feel like I have to really, uh, Talk about his writing ability too much. No, um, but I think I think what's nice about this is uh, Little Miss Sunshine is just a really great piece for like character introductions. Um, you can definitely uh, read in the pages everybody in the family their different character wants and dreams. It's very clear. Mm -hmm. um, and then also I think what's interesting about art is there's this uh, if you if you if you were to actually talk to him he's much more like the steve carell character that's basically him in the story <laughs> yeah so so i like that a lot and i think it's a really great uh piece for looking at character study and also it's structured we're talking about like the structure in this is like it's perfect three-act structure Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I get a lot of people who are very like, I hate three act structure. I hate being predictable. I hate formula. Um, and if I you can predict the events of this movie, I'll give you a dollar. Like there's, there's like, there's, exactly. it's a three act structure, but there's no way that you could predict like what's going on. Like the, the death of the patriarch, like you're, you don't expect grandpa to die. That's fucked up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it just, and then Doing afterwards, you're like, ODing too, right. not even just like an accident. Yeah, they, that guy goes out like, you know, like an OG. And then you know, like it's so great, you know. And then the, the the stakes. Here's the other thing that I love about this movie. One of the reasons why I think why I would put it on my uh, honorable mentions list, but definitely not on my thing. But like the stakes of this movie are constantly like like raised, like mm -hmm. it, like to the point where they're like literally they in order to start this car, they've got to like run to jump into this car. Like they yeah. can't even like do a simple thing like get into a car turn the car on and drive like that's how big the stakes are they have to get take this car at a running start 
It's so dangerous. Like, it is. It is. And it's a beautiful metaphor. And if you've right. ever owned a Volkswagen, which I have, I have never had a bus, but I had a VW Bug and it's the same thing. You can basically push start a car. So I guess maybe that felt really real to me because I have done it before. Also, I think, I think it's always really nice to see families um, who aren't, this just sounds so silly, who aren't movie rich. Like, right. um, like they do feature, like even the, the opening scene where they're having a family dinner, it's a bucket of chicken and a liter of pop. Um, right. And it, I don't normally say pop, but like yeah, the way the situation happens, it was like, yeah. yeah, well, I, my family is from Chicago, so I can, I can swing into pop territory. Every All right. But, you know, and it was, it was like, you get that, like you get what family dinner there is. Like I picked up something on the way home because Tony Collette's brothers got picked up from from being 51 50 and trying to commit suicide and <laughs> and you know she got it's home so a, good it's just a bucket oh, it's of so chicken good. and pop and they right. all they all sat around and had this discussion because uh you know the inciting incident is on the answering machine which is that their little daughter all of got into the little miss sunshine pageant and and i think i think that the, those little details are really helpful and i, I think it's nice that every character along the way has a payoff it is an ensemble piece um, yeah. and so it's a good study for an ensemble piece because i think everybody there maybe not tony collette but in the end tony collette gets a fucking break from her family so maybe that's what she deserves and she finds out her brother's going to be okay um, yeah. but uh everybody else you know has like a full story of the things that they want that they learn um and they all kind of come together and coalesce for olive who this is really about um it, it's just beautiful and i think there's so many moments along the way it's a road trip a road trip movie is like i always feel like a road trip movie is a classic american movie mm-hmm. um and so many of them are done terribly by the way um but the i think some of the best movies are road trip movies um you know even if it's just like growing up national lampoons like uh family vacation <laughs> which is similar in plot in a lot of ways yeah it's Little very Sunshine. similar it's yeah. very like you know it's yeah. a very planes like, trains yeah. automobiles yeah uh, um which i feel like is the greatest uh the greatest comedy of all time is planes trains it's great automobiles. it's fantastic yeah, yeah. Thelma and louise like all these great road trip movies and and i think it's something so american because america is so freaking big you can mm-hmm. tell the entire movie about one person getting to one side to the other side where like other countries like england would be like oh we gotta make it over that city okay okay we took or you're literally like there. crossing into another country like yeah you know, i gotta like, go to another country because that's yeah. the sort of thing that you know european vacations about where you know you can just drive to other countries that's sort of the difference between well not really i mean if you've been to florida is kind of like another country but let's not go, go there um yeah my number one script uh, is on your is another one that's on your honorable mentions list is Michael Clayton. Michael Clayton. I knew it's gonna be Michael Clayton. Clayton. It's a very good read. Whoa. Yeah. If for me, what you can take away from Michael Clayton is how to write a fucking screenplay. That's what you can take away from that movie. That's what you can do for take away from Michael Clayton. If you wanna learn. What yeah. a screenplay is capable of, my God. It does not, does not get better than Michael fucking Clayton. He introduces people in, uh, like, as a dialogue, like, instead of, like, uh, doing their names, like, out and stuff like that, he does character descriptions in parentheses. Yeah, 
there, he does he he leaves he does uh he does uh widow parentheses where there's does the parentheses under under the dialogue and then doesn't do any dialogue under it. He just leaves it and goes to the next line, the action line. Ah, <laughs> so good. He does yeah. like you know he does like these uh, like these sort of uh, like over supers and stuff like that to tell you like what's you know like um, where you are, what time it is, or that sort of thing. Like it it's it's brilliant and the exposition in the it, like as dialogue it don't get no better. You want to learn how to do exposition in dialogue? Read Michael Clayton. You want to yeah. learn how to fucking like have uh you want to learn how to uh have characters bring up the shards of the other character like there's a line where like you know uh like the where michael's brother-in-law sort of implies that the reason that he hasn't seen him is because he's fallen off the wagon and gone back to like doing the thing and he's like he's like i haven't been to a table like you know what i mean like it's it's just like it's the way that people talk like yeah. it doesn't it's never flashy. It's just right there. It's a part of that character. It's a part of the, but it also is a character thing for his brother because his brother-in-law is a cop. So yeah. it's just like, it's, it's all there. It's all brilliant. And the characters, and it's a movie that is basically a drama. I will say this. It is a drama masquerading as a thriller. And that's I also why that. I love it. I fucking love it. I fucking love the shit out of this movie. And the movie is great too. The movie is really, really great. And then there's a, there's a, a gunfight at the end that consists only of words. There's just this gunfight between Tilda Swinton's character and and, uh, and George Clooney's character, and man, it is good. It is fucking awesome, and I love it. If you want to learn what what an example of what a screenplay can be, how to break all the rules and yet follow all the rules, how to be an example of what your screenplay has to be, how to be great. We, as we talked about earlier, what it takes to be great. Read Michael Clayton today. Today. Yeah. Oh. Oh. It, yeah. Michael Clayton. That's my number one. I, I literally have a copy uh, near me, uh, not never too far from me, just so I can just, there's some <laughs> certain times where I just look at it and just, I'm just like, ah, oh, I, want, I want it to be this. I want it to be this, but I'm not this good. It's like my constant, like, I need to be this good. I need to be Michael Clayton fucking good. It is, again, that's the thing. I think it's nice as a screenwriter remember. That's where the bar is. Yep, that's where the bar is. Right, exactly. That's the bar. If you're not that good, you're fucking up. So get with it. You better start, yeah. you better start running. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean you have to wake up tomorrow and instantly be that person. But when you're sending out your stuff and or people aren't excited or something, like, remember where the bar is. Like, right. you might you might need to keep leveling up and it's okay. I mean, if you, you know, I, I had this thought, especially when I was in film school, which is like, and I was like, listen, I might spend 50 years trying to write a Little Miss Sunshine, you know? But yeah. is there any, you know, but is, if, is that a bad thing? If in the end you wind up with a Little Miss Sunshine? No, no it's time well spent. And so it's the same thing. Like maybe you're not tomorrow going to get to Michael Clayton level, but if every day you keep sitting there going, that's the bar, that's where I want to go. You right. will get there. You will get there. All right, let's go do some of our honorable mentions. Let's do sort of these like rapid fire style. Okay, okay. Um, I'm throwing in The Many Deaths of Barnaby James by Brian Nathanson, which will never see the light of day, but it is, if you like um, 
dark uh, Tim Burton-esque uh, stories about cannibalism, really, really overweight strippers and a <laughs> and this night circus where the, everybody's brought back from the dead to operate the circus as a cool. circus hand. It's Barnaby James um, and it's fantastic. Uh, so check that one out. Um, Mixtape by Stacey Meneer just got made, I think this year, last year. The script is a little bit raunchier, but it's a delightful read. It's about middle school, which shouldn't entice all of us. It's about middle school and punk rock music, and it's a great read. It has the most amazing- That sounds like something I'd be into. Good. Hilarious scene that did not make the cut of the movie. Um, so of, of a, a girl punching out a kid in a wheelchair. And I- like, <laughs> Sorry, that's terrible, but awesome. It was like, this scene has stuck with me for like a decade and, and I understand why it didn't happen. Well, the, the kid in the wheelchair is an asshole, so it's fine. Um, uh, so that's, uh, and Muppet Man by Christopher Weeks also may never see the light of day, but it's a fantastic read. It came through the blacklist. It is a biopic on Jim Henson. Um, Henson Studios actually bought this and I'm pretty sure they're gonna sit on it forever uh, because it is, you know, it is, a darker story. It's about his death, and it is. It will also leave you sobbing. I very rarely read a script and wind up sobbing in a screenplay, but this mm. one, like, ah, it got me. Um, also, Kermit turns into an alcoholic. Um, it's really great. Wow. <laughs> Start with that. Okay, so who are some others on your list? Uh, I have the Sex Life of Virgins, which is uh, a script by Jeff Barnowski. Um, it's used to be on storymania.com. It's no longer on storymania.com, but it is, uh, after, uh, the matrix, it was one of the other screenplays that I read. It's a comedy about a kid whose parents die and he ends up with his aunt and uncle by coin toss at mm. the funeral. Um, <laughs> and just, yeah. And he's sort of, you know, just sort of drifting through this life where he wants to be a comedian and, He's too smart for his own good, just very precocious and wants to be a standard comedian, but is lamenting the fact that he's not Jewish and he lives in Indiana. And so like nobody seems <laughs> to understand his, uh, his sort of plight and he ends up uh, getting into the sexual relationship with the hottest girl in school um, because he's, she wants, she thinks that she wants someone of his level of intelligence but the two of them are just, he's doing it because she's kind of unattainable and she wants him because she's, she thinks that she wants the guy that she's going to eventually end up with, someone like him or something like that. And it's this very weird, surreal, Charlie Kaufman-esque kind of thing about these, you know, these kids who go to this prep school and uh, are very uh, precocious and there's a lot of religious jokes because it's in Indiana and uh, just if you've ever just sort of lamented about getting out of high school it, and it's just one of the funniest screenplays I've ever read. Um, so yeah, The Sex Life of Virgins by Jess Bornoski. Um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Um, oh fuck, I'm, man, how did I not put Kiss Kiss, kiss Bang Bang on the list? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, kiss Kiss Bang Bang by... Uh, <laughs> it is. It is By the fantastic. one and only Shane Black. Uh, it is It is my favorite Shane Black. Yeah, it's my favorite Shane Black, too. Okay, um, so see, we have that in common. Our favorite Shane Black is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, just because, like, it, of the Shane Black scripts, it's the best. 
And it, it, you just really feel for these characters. And it's so funny. It's another one of those things where you can, the script is wildly different from what the movie is. Um, but well, the, tone, the tone is similar. The tone is similar, but the, yeah. like the scenes are like out of order and it, like things get yeah. rearranged and things like that. The, the last screenplay that I want to put out there, uh, you didn't get to one, but I'm going to put him on the, the list. But um, Brick by Ryan Johnson. Um, oh, I put Knives Out by Ryan Johnson. On yeah, I'm going to go with Brick because the the dialogue in it is uh, it, word sex. It is um, word sex. It is word sex. Like, knives in my eyes, like stuff like that. Oh Not my good. God. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I shouldn't I shouldn't talk that dirty to you right now. Sorry. No, Sorry don't. <laughs> Literally. Oh my God. I need God. your wife present before we start reading <laughs> that script. <laughs> I got knives in my eyes. I'm going home sick. Uh, like yeah. coffee and pie. Oh my! And you didn't hear it from me. I'm just like, what? Yeah. What it is so, really sexy? Oh, yeah. so sexy. Oh. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, it, he's a great writer, and yeah. I think I think Brick. It was one of those things where he knew <clears throat> a little four hundred thousand dollar movie. Little and- four hundred. <laughs> no, but I get it. I get it. I'm not gonna go there. I'm not, I, I love that. No, movie. I, I, I'm gonna say little four hundred thousand dollar movie like launched his entire career as a writer uh-huh. director, which you know, and he had to choose something I think super stylized, which was this whodunit set in high school. Oh. It's, it's just it's so good because it kind of just leans in into exactly what it is, and hey, everyone didn't ta- come to see the show. Yeah, um, it's so oh. good. Yeah. So um, good. And yeah, so I think I think that's a great one. I've chose Knives Out, but I I was on a toss up. I was like, is it Knives Out or is it? No, Rick? it's Brick. It's I'm brick. sorry. Yeah, Knives Out. You know, had Tony Collette, and I always love Tony Collette. But yeah, like, it does. Yeah, I, yeah. I think yeah. I was gonna say I did really enjoy the structure of Knives Out quite a bit. Also, um, I yeah, because really, it keeps you guessing all the way up until the last minute, and I just it's it the, the way that it was done is it's it's also a, re- a brilliant screenplay. It is. It, I it think is. I think the best part about it is POV and the POV. If you guys haven't seen it, halfway through we know who the killer is. Right. Uh, you know, uh, and like, and we're empathetic to them not getting caught. I want to add some female screenwriters on here because among our lists, really, when it came to come to the big reads, I think you covered Diablo Cody, and I think I yeah. have all all dudes all the way down, which bums me out. And I think part of it is when I was growing up as a as a writer, you know, the stuff you could get your hands on and the stuff that was getting made, you know, it was a lot of guys and sometimes like fantastic writing. Um, but I also want to make sure we get some ladies read there as well. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, if we were covering TV, we'd have, you know, our Lord and Savior, Miss uh, uh, Waller Bridge in here easily. Um, but I wanted to add Book Smart by Emily Halpern and Sarah Haskins. Very okay. good read, very good read. And then the one I read in uh, maybe film school was uh, the author of Lars and the Real Girl, Nancy Oliver. Um, she's like written one, that was her one script. I think she's gone on and done directory things, but it is a really good read. And one of the reasons I wanted to put Lars and the Real Girl on there is it's an unusual movie where the antagonist is the main character is, you know, dealing with trauma. And so there's like, there's not a lot of like antagonistic characters in it. And there's a lot of internalized antagonism. And that doesn't necessarily work for a lot of films and stories because all you see is a person being upset. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but it is fantastic in this structure. And it's a really good example if you want to kind of frame things differently, where it's almost like our main character is the antagonist and the town and the world around him is the protagonist. So, yeah, uh, I'd also like to add uh, to my uh, honorable mentions, I'd like to add uh, Get Out by Jordan Peele, because in terms of horror screenwriting, we should throw something with a horror movie on this and stuff like that. And that's one of my favorite horror scripts. Um, you could also do Scream by Kevin Williamson. That probably should be on your list as well if you're writing horror. Um, not just because of, you know, but it it was a it was a big deal around town. I remember everybody passed that script around. It was a big deal. Um, and it, there's a reason for it because it's it's you could be rapturous about that script too. In terms of horror scripts, there's not too many that are better than that. And I say the same thing about Get Out. Uh, it's another thing where like they've made something, the ending of that movie is completely absurd. It should not work in any way, shape or form, but it does. <laughs> so let's move on to what are we watching, consuming writing this week? Yeah. Um, uh, I did quite a bit of writing this week. Because uh, I'm writing two scripts at the same time, which I've never done before and shouldn't probably do, but I'm doing anyway. Um, in order to, so, so are you struggling with some poly scriptery? <laughs> Kate Tuxford. Um, I, you know, I didn't know. So in sort of fueling the one that I'm supposed to be writing, uh, I watched Inside Man and Money Monster, which I don't know why people dislike this movie like this seems to get a lot of hate and i don't understand why that is it's very underrated mm. um it feels like jodie foster who was in inside man just like saw that and was like i want to do one of those and then did money monster um <laughs> but it's really well written and it's directed well and they have the same cinematographer um uh matthew libatique um but he's it's it's a fantastic movie. It's it's just well written and well paced, and I, I really really enjoy it. And I and I always like like why does this movie get so much hate? And it did when it came out, and people just don't seem to dig it. I have not been to the movie theaters because I'm a responsible adult and I have COVID. Right. Um, uh, I did I think try to watch the Batman recently from on HBO Max, and I I did not enjoy myself. Yay! <laughs> no, you know, I, I, for everybody who's who is it's for them. That's great. I I don't think I've ever been as much of a Batman head. People as People love Bullet Batman. I don't know why. Yeah, they love I'm not. Batman. I'm not here to tell them they're wrong. I am here to say, like, I get, like, okay. Um, it was really long, and I just, you know, I at this point, I, maybe I'm turning into this like curmudgeon old man yelled at clouds. But I was, I was like, can't you tell a movie? be in like 90 to 120 minutes like can't yeah especially that? this one where you could just <clears throat> cut the first 90 minutes and just go yeah. with what happens afterwards and you miss yeah so, so so anyway i've been watching a lot of tv shows i think last week i was watching made for love i've been watching hbo julia uh, as it comes out and flight attendant um and a lot of just like keeping up with tv i did finish the season finale of picard all right uh so this week's resource, uh, for years, kind of Drew Scriptorama was the go-to place for screenplays, but that is currently down. So I just sort of wanted to put that out there, which sucks. Um, but most Drew, times- Drew, are wanna, you okay? Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know. But like most times, if you want to find a script, 
um, I would suggest you Google or Reddit. Uh, Reddit is is a really great place to find those sort of hard to track down screenplays. There's usually it's, somebody on there that's like, you know, found it and has linked it, it. It's a great place for finding screenplays. It is a terrible place to post. Uh, there are a lot of angry people on screenwriting. Yeah, dude, yeah, screenwriting tra- uh, Reddit is not the best. But the Internet Movie Screenplay Database uh, or the IMSDB um, is really good and has a great uh, system of hosted and linked scripts. So if you're feeling lazy and or just want to browse, as we've said, and we'll continue to say, the best way to learn how to write scripts is to read them. And if you're writing scripts, you should be reading scripts. And yes, that is prescriptive. Don't at me. Um, Kate Tuxford, is that, you know, you? Yeah, I I think that's great. Yeah. Don't at me, am I supposed to at you? No, you know, just if you disagree with me, no. Why would I disagree with you? You should be reading scripts, people. You should be reading scripts and then you should be filming some of your scenes and realizing where you're fucking up. I say that with love Um, because it it never fails. We all have that when we're writing and working that we get so stuck in our own brain that when we bring it out into the ether of the world, we're going to have gaps. Figure them out, smooth them out, face them. It's okay. It makes your script better. Yep. And that is our show. Screenwriting from the Trenches can currently be found on Anchor, Apple, Google, and Spotify podcasts, as well as KevinLMartin.com. And since we are a new podcast, we'd appreciate it if you dropped us a like or rated us five stars on whatever platform that you patronize because... Algorithms. For questions that we can and will answer on the show, email me at rob at You can also find us on Twitter. I am at RespectableMofo. K is... I am at K underscore Tux. And these things, as well as my YouTube channel, where I have a digital series, How to Make a Movie for $1,000, will also be linked in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that you will continue to do so. Now, stop procrastinating. Those pages aren't going to write themselves.